Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. This is the Detroiter. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We're covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State, if you can believe that. Two for one here. That's just what we do. We under-promise, over-deliver. We give you value. We give you entertainment. We give you comedy. A little bit of sports talk. We're going to get inside the mind of a five-time Madden NFL champion, an 11-time 2K NBA champion. I don't know. I played a ton of Chell when I was younger, won a few Stanley Cups, never really got into the show, but nonetheless, uh, a GM mastermind, if you will, never got the shot in real life, never got the shot in the pros and the bigs and college, none of that stuff. But the mind is there. The want to is there, the heart, the passion, everything, the love of the game. It's all here. It's on the Detroiter. It's right here in my heart. I'm Nick Bradley. Thank you for being here. Big fucking weekend. Big weekend ahead in the state. This is going to come out Thursday. If you're aware of pretty much anything, you know that March Madness is happening this weekend. We're kicking off round of 64 starts Thursday, round of 32 starts Saturday. Michigan Wolverines, they'll be tipping off midday. I'm on Pacific time, so midday Thursday against the Colorado State Rams. The Michigan State Spartans, we're holding off until Friday night. They must have known that I live on the West Coast because they won't be tipping off till 640. Pacific time against Davidson in a matchup that honestly has me pretty nervous. I don't want to get fucking revenge. That's a movie, brother. Foster Lawyer coming back and playing MSU. That is a movie. That's like a season of a television show. That that whole redemption arc might even be a couple seasons of a TV show, to be honest with you. And you know what the worst part is? It's a TV show that I would enjoy. It's a TV show where I watch that plot line develop and I get to the season finale. I get to March Madness, Michigan State, Davidson, and I go, wow, this can only end one way. This ends with this foster lawyer kid, our underdog story, avenging his reputation or whatever you want to call it and beating Michigan State and sending them home early. I don't know if that's going to happen. I certainly don't want it to happen, and I'm not predicting it'll happen. What I am saying is I'm nervous. What I am saying is I've thought about it. What I am saying is it's not foster lawyer that scares me. It's not the Davidson men's basketball team that scares me. Unless Steph Curry gets to suit up. The thing that scares me is the idea of Hollywood. The idea of dreams coming true. The idea that a kid like Foster Lawyer could bust his ass at MSU. Ah, never really did make it. Go to a place like Davidson and get this one chance against his old school. Against a fan base like me. I've talked some shit about Foster Lawyer. I'll say it. I don't care. And he's going to get the chance to redeem himself on the biggest stage. This is a game that this kid probably goes to sleep every night dreaming about. Oh, my God. You imagine I get the chance to play Michigan State? I'd be like Kobe on Jalen Rose if I ever got that shot. This kid wakes up with his sheets covered in white stuff because he was thinking about facing Michigan State in March Madness. I don't like that. I don't like that a Hollywood producer, Universal Studios, Paramount Pictures is already bidding out jobs, bidding out screenplays and directors and lead actors in a very similar story. Kid transfers from college, meets them. He's at a he's at a group five school there at the Power Five. He meets them in March Madness and he knocks them out. Legendary coach. I don't like that Universal Studios has probably already heard that pitch just based off this matchup. I don't like that dreams do come true. I don't like that, hey, work hard. Work hard, never give up, keep going, and good things happen. Foster Lawyer, he could have just quit. 
He could have just retired basketball. He could have rode the pine at MSU and said, you know what, whatever. It's one more year. I'll hang out here. I'll get the free Nike. I'll hang out with Tom Izzo. I'll see Magic, Draymond Green, those guys when he comes. No, he was like, fuck that. I'm going to go play. I'm better than some of these guys. I want a chance in a hypothetical world to beat these guys. That's what scares me. The fact that Foster Lawyer's eyelash may have caught the fairy godmother's card. The fact that Foster Lawyer has been manifesting this day, this game, this weekend for the last year and a half, two years. The fact that dreams are going to come true. The fact that Hollywood endings do exist. These movies, these stories, these television shows. People draw these ideas from somewhere. You know where they draw them from? Shit that happens in real life. And I don't like that MSU has been teed up perfectly to become the next box office hit. I hate everything about it. Do I think Davidson's going to win? Am I out there laying money on Davidson? Am I picking against Michigan State? No chance. I would literally never. I'd rather eat a shovel, a spade-headed shovel, than pick against MSU. I am nervous. I am nervous. If this was any other team in Davidson's division, wherever the hell they play, if this was any other group of five team, even a team that was maybe ranked ahead of Davidson or had a better player or better stats, if it was anybody except Foster Lawyers team and anybody but the team that Steph Curry used to play for, and wouldn't you know it, Foster Lawyers, Steph Curry, both the apex of their game is just raining threes, small kid raining threes. If it was any other circumstance, any other group of five team, I'd feel incredible. I'd say Michigan State's going to go in. It's March, also known as Izzo. They've kind of started playing better in the Big Ten tournament. They found the guard play. They know what they need to do. They have guys on the team that have been here before. They have guys on the team that went to the Final Four with Cassius Winston. Tom Izzo's fucking Tom Izzo. I would say the MSU is going to smash whoever they're playing. I would say I'm sleeping extra well these last few nights thinking about MSU's matchup in the tournament because it's Foster, because it's a familiar face, because Hollywood and dreams and storybooks. I'm a little nervous. I'm sweating this game a little bit. I don't know anything about Davidson. I did a little research. Foster lawyer having a pretty good year. He's averaging like 16, something like that makes me nervous. Would have felt a lot better if he was averaging four and it was like, Oh, he just happens to be on the team. Nope. He actually leads them in scoring. So that doesn't bode well. They have another dude, a Korean kid, who's also bowling out. I think he's averaging like 15 or 16. And then they have a Serbian guy, or at least he's either Croatian, Serbian, one of those Balkans. If he is Serbian, that's like a double hex against me. Now it's Foster Lawyer. Now they got a Serb. It, it just, the juju is just off. The juju is just off. So those are their big three, the, the Korean wing, the Serbian big, and Foster Lawyer running the show. Now, my first instinct, and I guess I should have led with Michigan because they play tonight and MSU doesn't, but whatever, I couldn't help myself. Foster Lawyer, Michigan State, that you can't. It's the juiciest storyline we've had in college basketball in months. My first instinct is to, to go through my memory bank and just SpongeBob. Who's got the memory? Who's got the Foster Lawyer dribbling memories? Who's got Foster Lawyer falling under Trey Jones and getting stampeded like Mufasa in the gorge? Who's got that on file? Who's got that on file? My first instinct is to think about Foster in the green and white. And when I do that, I think Mustafa, Mufasa in the gorge. I think a guy who literally didn't want the ball. I think a guy who is a division one, no disrespect, but you know, this is disrespectful. 
I think about a guy who's a division one point guard who was actually petrified, who could have been an extra in the movie Poltergeist when he got a basketball in his hands. His job, his position was point guard, a.k.a. the guy who always has the basketball. And the only thing he wanted to do when he had that basketball is get rid of it. That's all he wanted. Just some, please, someone, you, even if you're on the other team, just take it. I can't, I can't do it. Someone take it from me. That's what I think of when I think of Foster in the green and white. I think of a guy, again, no disrespect, but like disrespectful kind of. Not trying to be mean. I'm just telling it like it is. I think of a guy who plays defense, right? Like he, say what you will about Foster. He took charges. He, he dove after loose balls. He was a gritty guy. He gave it his all. He, he was a 100% effort guy. And I respect that. But I think of a guy giving it his all playing a hundred percent diving. You won't back me down. You won't back me down. And then just getting crammed underneath the basket. Like he was getting shoved in somebody's footlocker. That's what I think about. I think about foster lawyer in the green and white. I think about a guy who, who would miss a fair amount of threes, even though the only thing he was good at was shooting threes. I think about a guy who never really made a play unless you count catching and shooting an open three a play, never really made a play. I think about a guy who outside of Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament like two or three years ago literally did nothing ever, like literally did nothing ever. I think about a guy who cost us the game against Louisville because Cassius Winston I think fouled out. I don't think he got hurt. I think Cassius fouled out, and the only other guard on the roster was Foster Lawyer, which Tom Izzo, what are you? what's that about? And Foster Lawyer coming in at the end of that Louisville game at the KFC Center and blowing it and us losing to Louisville. I remember that. I just think of someone who didn't belong when I think about Foster Lawyer. I think of a guy who you watched him play and you said, he probably belongs with Greg Campy down at OU, huh? He probably doesn't belong in the green and white, huh? He probably, this guy's, this guy's not, you know, come on. This guy's, it's Michigan State. Cassius Winston, it's Corey Lucius, Kalen Lucas, Mateen Cleaves, this guy, Denzel Valentine, it's this guy. This guy, maybe, you know, maybe he'll be the practice squad. Maybe you, you have a shooter you need to prepare for. He can mimic that shooter in practice. Okay, we'll take that. There's a place for that. You need those guys. The best teams in basketball and football, hockey, any sport, the reason they're the best is because their practices are the most intense. Their practices are the most intense because they have the best competition in practice. You look at Alabama. Those NFL guys that play on their defense are going against NFL guys in practice. That's just how it is. You look at what Mel's doing with Michigan State. He always talks about that too, like building the most intense and competitive practice environment. There's a place for that. When I thought about Foster, when I think about Foster and I look back at what he did at MSU, I just never once – Outside of that Wisconsin game where he, I think he had 16 points, made some shots. He took people off the dribble. I just don't have any memories of him going to the rim. I don't have memories of him creating. My memories of him, like my first thought, my constant memory is being afraid, is a guy who looked like he didn't want the ball. A guy who was just undersized and outmatched. And now he's at Davidson, not a power five, so more his speed. He's averaging 16 a night. Davidson, I think they won their conference. He is the leading scorer on that team. And here we go, storybook, Michigan State, Davidson Foster against his old team, kind of got ran out of town. Now he gets to have, he has an opportunity for revenge. He's having a great season. He's their leading scorer. 
whatever he did at MSU, however outmatched he may have been, however scared he may have been to have the ball. He's at Davidson averaging 16 right now. He must do something. It must look different. And I, I don't know what to think because I think about what I saw and I'm like, there, that doesn't just change. That doesn't just change. Because he. it's not like he only got clamped down against the Trey Joneses of the world. They'd go play Northwestern on the road, the worst team in the Big Ten, and he wouldn't be able to dribble the basketball. They'd play Nebraska at home. He can't dribble the basketball. They play, you name a team, they play them, he can't dribble. And now he's at Davidson. I just, I my firm belief or like the thing I'm, the hope I suppose I'm clinging on to is there's no way this kid comes back and all of a sudden is crossing dudes over. There's no way I pop on and Foster Lawyer is just wetting threes in dudes' faces. He's not taking A.J. Hogart off the dribble and getting to the rim. He's not taking Tyson Walker hitting a step back and draining one in his face. He's not getting Marcus Bingham switched onto him and crossing him up and pulling up from the elbow. He's not doing that. Is he? He's not doing that, is he? He can't possibly be. Not that same guy I watched. Not the foster lawyer that went to Michigan State. He can't be doing that, can he? I That's the thing that's sticking with me, is I know what I saw, and I know it wasn't just, ah, misses some shots. Max Christie, he, ah, he misses shots. He misses some shots. He'll go on. It's not, oh, he'll learn the off. It was, this guy just can't do Like, he's, he's too slow. He's too small. He, he just can't. I'm sorry. He just can't. But now he's averaging 16. Now he has the like his life's peak, his life's zenith, the opportunity to upset Michigan State in this game. I'm fucking nervous, bro. I am afraid. I'm not afraid of Davidson. I'm not afraid of the, the Korean wing or the Serbian big. I'm not even afraid necessarily of Foster Lawyer and his abilities and the matchup he creates and what he could possibly do against our guards. I'm afraid of the fact that this dude's entire life has been leading up to the game that's going to be played Friday. I'm afraid of the fact that he kind of got ran out of the town in East Lansing, and now he gets a once-and-for-all opportunity for revenge against the guys he came to Michigan State with, against the coach that recruited him there and never really seemed to love him and Tom Izzo, against the fan base, fucking me, that talked shit about him, that was said he wasn't good enough, that made fun of him, that said get him off the floor. He has a one-in-a-trillion opportunity this weekend to put salt like we've never tasted in the mouths of every Michigan State fan alive. And it's not Foster Lawyer and his game that I'm afraid of. It's that that I'm afraid of. It's the circumstance. It's the opportunity. It is the fact that this would be HBO's longest-running television series if they made a show about it. That's what makes me nervous. That said, dogs by a billion. Tyson Walker plays dogs by a billion. AJ Hogarth does what he's been doing, doesn't turn it over, dogs by a billion. Marcus Bingham, Gabe Brown, make a couple wide open shots, Malik Hall, for the love of God, make an open three, dogs by a billion. State should still win. State is still the better team. State does have the better coach. State does have the better players. It's Michigan State, they're Davidson. He got booted out of town for a reason. We're Spartans, they're Wildcats. We have AJ Hogarth, we have Tyson Walker, he's Foster Lawyer. Michigan State should win this game. They should win it handily, coming off what they did in the Big Ten tourney. They started to figure it out. State by a billion. I want Duke more than anything in the world. I might have to do an emergency podcast for Saturday. If we want, I want Duke more than anything in the world. 
state by a billion. I'm nervous. Okay. Got the MSU stuff out of the way. We'll talk some Michigan. Michigan plays tonight. Colorado State. I'll be honest with you guys. Made the TikTok. Don't know a thing about Colorado State. And I said, unless it's hiking, unless it's unless it's rock climbing, unless it's mountain goat hunting, uh, unless it's craft beer brewing, even then I'm not so sure. I don't think Colorado State should beat the University of Michigan in pretty much anything. I'm aware Michigan's the 11th seed. I'm very aware. I'm aware that Colorado State is the 6th seed. Very aware. I'm aware that what is Colorado State playing? Are they in the Pac-12? No, I think the, the Mountain West. I'm aware that Michigan's in the Big Ten. I'm aware that Michigan has five-star kids on their team. I'm aware that Michigan has Hunter Dickinson. I'm aware of Jawan Howard. I couldn't name a single human being associated with the Colorado State Ram basketball program. I couldn't name you one. And I understand that they're better and they're, you know, ranked ahead and they're favored. They're the higher seed. They probably had a great season, right? They probably won the Mountain West. They probably got a couple guys that can just light you up. I, I get it. I don't care, though. It's Michigan and it's Colorado State. It's Michigan and it's Colorado State. And for that reason, I just don't see how Michigan loses this game, to be honest with you. Well, I do see because Michigan's been one of the most inconsistent teams I've ever seen over the course of this year, right? They've been up, they've smashed MSU, and then they lose the next game by 20. They look great. They lose to Indiana, Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. They make a little run. They lose to a bad team. Hunter Dickinson's awesome. Hunter Dickinson's nowhere to be found. They make every single three that they see against State, and then they miss every single three. Like, it's up and down, and it's Jawan and it's Phil, and it's this and that. I get it. They're inconsistent. They're up and down. And it's for sure, this is for sure a byproduct of me just living in, well, not living in Michigan, but being a Michigan, Michigan State, the state of Michigan sports fan and not knowing dick about Colorado State. I don't understand how Michigan does lose this game, though, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a game like Hunter Dickinson, you're playing, <clears throat> excuse me, Hunter Dickinson, you're playing a non-Power 5 team. Hunter Dickinson should dominate tonight. Hunter Dickinson should get 20 and 10 without breaking a sweat. Hunter Dickinson should demand, not ask, not call for, demand. He should grab Juwan the way Juwan grabbed Greg Gard and say, give me the goddamn ball in the low post every single possession, or I'm going to tell him you punched me after that Wisconsin game. Hunter Dickinson should be insufferable about getting the basketball in the low post. Every single time U of M has it, Dickinson, Dickinson, Dickinson. We, they should not – it should be like a, a rated R broadcast because they because they say the word dick so many times tonight against Colorado State. He should feast. Guys like Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, you got to believe eventually they're going to figure it out. And they've had games where they have. Musa's had games where he's been dominant. Caleb's had good games. But you have to figure – you have to figure eventually – there needs to be a time where Hunter, Musa, and Caleb, your three big guys, the three playmakers, the three guys that elevate or de-escalate your team, will all figure it out at once. And if not now, then when for the freshmen? If not now, then when? Same deal as Hunter, too. Two guys that are freaks. Two guys that bodies were made in a, in a lab somewhere deep underneath the ground wherever James Naismith was born, and they were bred to be NBA basketball players. You're playing kids that are in the Mountain West at Colorado State, okay? Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, you should be able 
to dominate. You should be able to feast. And then if you get somewhat of a contribution from guys like Eli Brooks, the leaders, I don't know who else. Devontae Jones is out, I saw, which I guess kind of hurts, but I feel like he wasn't really, you know. I feel like Devontae Jones wasn't a huge part of Michigan's team. Yes, he was the point guard, but I don't think he was so dynamic that, oh, my God, what do you do without him? Frankie Collins, I think, has been good. Uh, Kobe Bufkin, I think he's been good as well. Eli Brooks, he's been there a while. He's a good player. I think they'll fill Devontae Jones's hole very easily, not sexual. I think they'll do it very easily with almost no resistance. Um, but I do think it's Dickinson. I think it's Musa. I think it's Caleb. I think it's the three guys that should give you mismatches against Big Ten teams. I think those are the guys you go against the Mountain West team. Again, not sure who they have. They could have Yao Ming, LeBron James, and Tracy McGrady at Colorado State. I got no fucking clue. But I think it's those three guys that that should just malleable. That's not the correct word. That should just mend or deviate this game to go the way Michigan wants it to. That's how I think Michigan wins. And I have a hard time, as inconsistent as they've been and up and down, I have a hard time seeing how it doesn't go that way. Again, unless LeBron is suiting up for the Rams, I don't know. That could be the case, but I just don't see it. Um, that said, though, that said, the one tricky thing, ever since this Phil Martelli, Juwan, back and forth, Juwan comes back for one game and they lose to Indiana in the first night of the Big Ten tournament, yikes brother and it was a bad game for juan too it was a bad game epic meltdown i think ms or u of m had like a 12 or 13 point lead in the second half epic meltdown in juan's first game back i think that might be a factor as much as anything else and i don't think coaches i mean yes coaches are a factor but i think that might be a factor just as far as you go into halftime, Michigan's down. Let's say Michigan's down like four points at half. People start looking around like, dude, fucking Juwan. All right, cool. Thanks for the halftime, Juwan. Thanks for the speech. Anything you just said means nothing. Phil, what do you have to say? Is that what happens at, at halftime? You know. You know the fan base on Twitter will be, I don't want to ever see Juwan Howard again. They should have thrown Juwan in jail for, for the Wisconsin thing. Get Juwan out of town. Send him back to Miami. You know if Michigan's down at half, it's going to be all of the get Jawan out of town. It was a fun little project. See you later tweets. Bring back Phil Martelli. Bring back the godfather. Phil was always the answer. They win that natty two years ago if Phil Martelli is the coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that could be a factor. I think that may be a factor. I think that's in fans' heads. I don't know how much players think about it. Like, it, it, it's certainly, I would assume, is something that they're aware of. Like, they go on social media, dude. They have fucking brains, they think. Hunter Dickinson, after that Indiana game, the first time Juwan's back, they pump Michigan State before that. Juwan Howard comes back, and they have a meltdown the likes of which I've never seen, at least at Michigan. The first game Juwan's back. You don't think Hunter Dickinson went home that night and was like, damn. That's kind of crazy. As soon as Juwan comes back, we just absolutely blow one to like a not good Indiana team. Damn, what if Phil coached us the rest of the way? What if we, you think we'll go farther if Phil was our coach in the tourney instead of Juwan? Hey guys, players only meeting. You guys think, what if we had Phil coach us for the tournament? Not Juwan, what if Phil coached? 
like maybe that players meeting players only meeting doesn't happen. Maybe he's not expressing it, but I would almost guarantee you it's human nature, dude. The brain wanders, your mind wanders. You ever been at work? You ever tried to do Excel sheets for more than 20 minutes? And all of a sudden you're like, why in the Batman was the Batmobile? Not that fast. It's called the mind wanders. It just happens. You don't think those guys haven't at least for a second thought that's weird. Had a tough schedule. Phil comes in. We go three and two with Phil. Juwan comes back and we absolutely blow the game to a bad Indiana team. That's fucking, that's weird. You think there's something there? You think that's maybe, what if we're a better team when Phil coaches us? You think Phil understands the lineups better? You think Phil understands our strengths versus the other team's weaknesses better? You think Phil has a better game plan or strategy on how to exploit and score on or defend? Colorado State than Jawan does? It's something to think about. It's something to think about. I'm not saying it. It has certainly happened. I'd have no way of knowing. I'm telling you this. I'd bet quite a bit of money that they've at least thought about it because, like I said, why is Batman's Batmobile? Why is Bruce Wayne so sad? The mind wanders. The mind wanders, dude. That's human nature. I think that might be something to watch. And oh boy, oh boy, if they lose. Oh boy, oh boy, if they lose. It's, if they lose, it, it, Jawan Howard, you might need to toss the place up on Craigslist, pal. You might need to buy the first ticket out of Ann Arbor. Send it back down to Miami. Short little vacation. Hang out there for like two months. That should do the trick. Let things cool off back in Ann Arbor. And then you can come back and figure things out. If they lose the Colorado State, and I know, that this has been a terrible year for Michigan. They're an 11 seed. They probably shouldn't have even made the tournament, but that's a story for another time. I know this has been a down year. I know, you know, the expectations were high and they've kind of, as the season's gone along. But if they lose to a team like Colorado State, despite Colorado State being the higher seed, but despite Colorado State, they probably have some guys, right? You're in the tournament, you're a six seed. You probably have some good players. That's a fair assumption. Despite the fact that they're, they not necessarily should go in and beat Colorado State. I don't think anybody's saying that. I don't think that's even the expectation or something that should be expected. Despite all of that. I do think if Michigan loses this game to Colorado State after a first round exit in the Big Ten tournament. And then a first game exit in March Madness to a team like Colorado State. Like if it was six seed Seton Hall. Or if it was six seed Illinois, like just a bigger name, it's like, all right, you lose the six seed Colorado State. They have basketball at Colorado State. They have nets. They have twine and orange aluminum in Fort Collins, Colorado. Who knew? Who would have guessed? I thought they just had a Rocky Mountain Road ice cream and weed. You lose that game to Colorado State. After losing to Indiana, after the previous five going three and two with Phil Martelli, I think this offseason, and I think immediately after the game, the Juwan project things start coming out. Oh, Juwan was fun. He did this, he did that. But, you know, oh, he's a great recruiter, but he's not so good in the games. Oh, you know, maybe what if, is there a way we can use Juwan and Phil Martelli together? Like maybe Juwan gives Phil more of a game planning role. I think that conversation starts to come up then things get interesting, then things get fun. But we'll see. I do expect Michigan to win tonight against Colorado State just because, again, it's Michigan. They have guys 
that Colorado could only dream of getting. Colorado State could only dream of getting. Even though they've been bad, they still have those guys. Michigan does. Colorado State doesn't. I think Michigan will win. I think Michigan State will win, even though I'm fucking nervous about just it is a Hollywood production, and I hate it. I hate it. It's a, it's so perfect, dude. It's so perfect. Foster comes to MSU, Mr. Basketball. One of the best high school basketball players ever to play in Michigan. Comes to the state. Underwhelming as balls. Plays under Cassius Winston. Replaces Cassius Winston. It does not go well. It actually goes really fucking badly. And then transfers out. Kind of forced out. Tom Izzo was probably, he said, I'm going to transfer. Tom Izzo was probably like, oh, that's too bad. Anyways, we call the car is outside, so we'll see you, Foster. And then he gets to see Michigan State again in the tournament, do or die, winner takes all one game. One game. He's having a good season. He's got 16. He came in with Gabe Brown, with Bingham, and he's got a chance to just bury them, bury the program, and bury the fan base. I'm going to go get a, a cold washcloth and put it on the back of my neck because I'm getting nervous. Quick break. We'll talk a little bit of Red Wings, a little bit of Lions. All right. 10, 15 minutes. Talk some Red Wings. I, I just have to. I, I don't want to. I just have to. We'll talk some Red Wings. We'll talk a little bit Lions. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes out here making some moves. Nothing crazy, nothing to throw a parade over, nothing to call your grandmother, nothing to wake up your parents for, nothing nuts. They're making some moves, though. Signing some guys. Tracy Walker, I think 3.3 a year. Great deal. Had a hell of a season last year. Happy to have him back at a position we can't afford to get worse at, mind you. They brought in DJ Chark, I believe two years, 12 mil, two years, 14 mil, or maybe it was one year, 12 mil. I can't even remember anymore. And it was like two days ago. DJ Chark is a lion. Another position of need. Wide receiver. Lord knows we need him. A guy ankle burst into a million pieces last year, which you hate to see. Hopefully he's doing well. Hopefully he's staying away from trampolines, four-wheelers, anything that could agitate basketball courts, anything that could agitate that ankle. But I do know DJ Chark. When I think DJ Chark, I think sneaky good. And not like not when like not so good that it's oh my God, this guy could be a number one, even though he just may well be a number one in Detroit, which isn't saying a ton. Because even though Amon Ra has been awesome as a rookie, and I think, you know, assuming he gets better, he will only get better. He is like a slot guy. I think he's a middle-of-the-field guy. He's not a put-him-up-against-their-best-corner, deep post. We're going to lob one up to him. He's not that type of guy, which is fine. Not everybody needs to be that type of guy. And to be honest with you, it kind of feels like the in-between, middle-of-the-field, route-running, find-the-soft-spot guys like Amon Ra can be more useful and sometimes are even more valuable than the big man down the field moss somebody type, which DJ Chark is. He's the speed guy. He's the big body guy. He's the go down the field, we'll lob it up, and you grab it guy, which is good. It's nice to have the balance. It's nice to have a guy who has made plays at the NFL level. Like DJ Chark has put up some numbers in Jacksonville. Again, nothing insane, but when I think sneaky good, I'm thinking like, oh, this dude, fantasy guy. Every time in fantasy, I'm like, DJ Chark, like, he kind of does some stuff. He's not going to do anything crazy, but he's a guy. You need a flex for a week? Sure, dude. Grab DJ Chark. He might grab a tutty. Like, he might get 100 in a score. He might. He gets open enough. 
He's a good enough player. He might do that. I'm not saying he will. He's not going to do it every week. He might he, he might mess around and do that, though. You throw that around with Hawk, Amon Ra, and a potential draft pick this season, I like the signing. My favorite part about the signing, and I, I've always said this, I, it's like my main philosophy in all sports, not just football in all sports. When you're rebuilding or you're, you haven't quite gotten to the point where all of the chips are in the table, you just cannot give long contracts. You cannot give long contracts to somebody who's A, getting up there in age, or B, at a position that is beyond expendable. Positions that are beyond expendable. Maybe the first on the list, wide receiver, running back, cornerback, to be honest with you. Those positions, I'm kind of like, you know what? If they want a ton or they want seven years, you can go ahead, do your thing. DJ Chark, yeah, he's a wide receiver. Yeah, he's not going to win this team a Super Bowl. Guess what? Contracts like a year, two years, something like that. It's nothing expensive. And even if he does get injured or he doesn't produce or he causes problems or whatever the case may be, okay, you pay him for a year, you pay him for two years. And then in that time frame, once his contract's off the books, now, hopefully, if things are going according to plan, if you are drafting properly, which Brad Holmes, please, please, Brad Holmes, then you have that money back, and now you can go spend it on somebody else that is going to take you to the next level. Somebody else that is a move saying, hey, chips are in, buddy. Chips are in. Turn them over. I got a straight flush. Read them and weep. That's what you can do with the DJ Chark contract. So I liked it. I thought it was a good contract. I've kind of also been PTSD'd of wide receiver contracts or big wide receiver contracts ever since two years ago in the, the Galladay deal, we let him go to the Giants and he had like four catches this year. Didn't do fucking anything. So ever since then, I've kind of been like, ah, wide out. Do you need him? Is he related to the owner? Like, do we absolutely, is he blackmailing something? Do we absolutely have to have some, do we? He's a wide receiver and he wants more than three years. Do we? He wants 20 million. Like, that's kind of how I am now with wideouts. So I thought it was a good deal. They brought back guys like Anzalone, um, I think Will Harris. There were someone, a couple other guys, kind of plug and play guys. Nobody crazy. Nobody to write home about necessarily. Nobody that's going to change this team drastically or nobody addressing a serious position of need. But there's plenty of time left. There's the draft coming up. I'm sure they're strategizing. I'm sure they're leveraging. Oh, we can get these kind of guys in free agency. This guy's looking at Detroit versus this dude might be available in the second round. I'm sure they're starting to look at all that. I'm sure they're eyeing some of these safeties on the market. Marcus Williams wouldn't hate it. I'm sure they're eyeing some of these pass rushers. I'm sure. They're even probably eyeing a quarterback or two. Like I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at Mitch Trubisky before Pittsburgh scooped them up and went like, Mitch, like what do you think, Mitch Trubisky? He can run. He won some games under Matt Nagy, who is a moron. He won some games under the dumbest guy in the NFL outside of Matt Patricia. Like I'm sure they've talked about it. I'm sure they've explored every single option, which I love, which makes me feel good which encourages me. And this doesn't need to be the off season. This probably shouldn't be the off season where they make some splashy pickup, where they go get the Von Miller of the world, where they go get the Yannick Ngawe of the world, where they even go get a guy like Allen Robinson. Fine, probe, ask, be interested, whatever, for sure. Do your job. But this probably isn't. 
the free agency to make the big move. Lions are back. The Lions are gunning for the NFC North. The Lions have pushed the, they're in the contending winner. This probably is not that free agency. Next one probably won't be either. But I do like add some pieces, address some needs if you can, make the team better, right? Make the team better. I know we're still rebuilding. We'll still be rebuilding this year. We'll probably still be rebuilding the year after that. But add some pieces, make the team better, build the culture, win a couple games, get some positive energy, some positive morale going in the locker room, start have people think the Detroit Lions. It's not just same old Lions. Oh, they're up and coming. Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are doing some good stuff. They got some good young players. They've played free agency real well. Start to build the positive momentum. Doesn't need to be Von Miller. Doesn't need to be the biggest name. Get a guy that fills a need, that can do a job on a good term at a good price. That's all. And they've done a great job so far. I've been happy with what Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have done. And beyond even just the guys that they've signed, like I said, just doing their jobs, being linked to Adam or uh, Allen Robinson, getting in and potentially making offers, showing interest at some of these guys. It's good to see. It's just good to see that the people running the show <sighs> – jinx myself i'm gonna jinx the lions i've said this so many so many times in my life it's good to see that the people running the detroit lions seem to know what they're doing how many seasons do you think before i regret saying that before that sounds like the dumbest thing anybody said that's how i feel right now brad holmes dan campbell it feels good to know that these guys hey i trust them dude here are the car keys fellas pick me up a sixer on the way home I trust them. Eyes closed, blindfold me, hope to die. I trust them. It is the Detroit Lions. The owner still has the word Ford in their name. I, so, you know, maybe I'm the, the biggest sucker on the planet for even having an ounce of belief that my, it might be different, but <laughs> it might be different. I feel like it might be different. It feels better than it usually does. It feels good for a team that just won three games last year. That is the second overall pick. I feel very, very good about the state of the Detroit Lions. And I don't know, maybe I have Stockholm Syndrome or I'm just an idiot or I'm just so used to losing that three games, I'm like, oh, dude, we're fucking sweet now. We're back. I don't know what it is. I feel good about the Lions. On the flip side, I don't feel good about the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> These guys are losing football games. They're losing 10 to 3, 7, 8, 9, 6, 5, 9, 10. These guys can't go a game without giving up five goals. Like, they haven't gone a game without giving up five goals in like two weeks. That's not even exaggerating. I think that's a fact. I don't think they've given up fewer than five in two weeks. That's like four or five games. What's up, bro? This is hockey, dog. This isn't a lacrosse match, brother. This isn't wrestling and points, dude. This isn't Big Ten, Wisconsin, and Iowa in the sideways rain, 10 to 7, dog. It's sweet that they're scoring goals. It's great that when they were getting clapped by Edmonton last night or two nights ago, they came back and made it 5-5 for a little bit. Like, that's cool. It's cool that when Toronto was spanking them 7-2 going into the third, that they made it 7-6, 8-7, whatever they made it. That's cool, dude. You're giving up double-digit goals. 
in a hockey game. And Mo Sider's on your team. Now that one guy, six people play defense. One guy doesn't mean everybody's going to be great. One guy doesn't mean you're never going to give up goals. But you have, you have not an, I mean, maybe, maybe he'd be in contention for the Norris. Like he'd probably crack the top 10 for the Norris. You have one of the best young defensemen in the league anchoring your defense and you're giving up seven, eight, nine, ten goals a night, dude. A night, dude. Please make that make sense. Please make that make sense. And oh, the only other thing that's changed is you got Jacob Rana back. You got one of your best players back in that time frame. That's all. You haven't lost anybody. Your goalies didn't both break their legs in skiing accidents. Mo Sider didn't disappear. Philip Ronick didn't vaporize into thin air. No, you just got oh one of your best players in Jakob Rana. He's back in the lineup, and now you can't go a game without holding that team to three. You can't even hold them to four, bro. You can't you can't hold a team to three in a period, dude. Think about that. I don't know what the problem is. I I really don't. Nedeljkovic couldn't stop a beach ball. Thomas Grice couldn't stop the Titanic if it tried to come through the goal. Um, they're scoring, which is nice. Dylan Larkin still staying hot. Lucas Raymond still netting points. Jakob Vrana has scored a few since his return. Zadina got on the board. Like they're scoring some goals, which is cool. They're losing ten to seven. They're losing seven to five. They're losing five to four. Like that's sweet. You're scoring goals, dude. You are giving up so many goals. It's like a eight, like eight year old hockey game where the like nobody stops anything. Where it's just up goal, down goal, up goal, down goal. It's like shell on rookie mode, bro. You can't keep the puck out of your net. You know who doesn't win things? You know who doesn't make the playoffs or win playoff series or win, God forbid I mention the word Stanley Cups, teams that cannot keep the puck out of their net. What did Stevie do in Tampa? Blue line. Blue line, Vasilevsky. Blue line, Vasilevsky. What did he do in Tampa? Blue line, Vasilevsky. You won't score on us, Stanley Cups. Two of them, back to back. You can't go a game. Without giving up six, seven, eight, nine goals, dude, out of the clouds. Like that's the that's the most frustrating part is this team, up until the last two weeks, they've been pretty good this year. They were never really gonna make the playoffs, right? But they kept it close for a while. They've won a good amount of games. They've won and been so much more competitive than they have been in years past of this rebuild. Guys like Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider are coming alive. Tyler Bertuzzi have come alive this year. They're producing, they're playing really well and showing that they can be core pieces on a winning team. And all of a sudden, dude, the wheels fall off and the main cabin explodes and the fucking train conductor was working for the bad guys all along and this whole thing turns into a nightmare. You're giving up Wisconsin touchdowns in the sideways rain against Iowa scores. (sighs) It's depressing. But there is one reprieve from the darkness, from the shame, from the anger. From the sickness with Jeff Blasio, which probably a great guy. Like they've been fine. He hasn't had the best teams to coach, whatever, dude. He's the guy who coached the Red Wings the entire time. They were the worst they've been in my lifetime. Fucking get rid of him. We're getting better. We're getting new guys. He's the loser coach. He is the guy who was the coach through the rebuild. Now it's winning time. Get rid of him. I'm sorry, Jeff. That's just the way it is. You got to make an NFL or NHL head coach's salary for eight years. 
too bad. We're going to win now. You're associated with losing. You can go. The one reprieve, Shane Wright. Shane Wright. The Detroit Red Wings haven't had lottery luck in how long? Forever. Shane Wright, generational. Shane Wright, Austin Matthews, McDavid-level guy. Franchise-changing guy. Shane Wright, guaranteed Stanley Cup. He comes to Detroit with Larkin, with Raymond, with Cider, with all these guys. He's a centerman, which Detroit desperately needs. That's an automatic Stanley Cup. That's an automatic automatic Stanley Cup, dude. Shane Wright, next year we're in the playoffs. And guess what? We're going to be in the playoffs for the next 20 after that. Massive market, Detroit, hockey town, brother. Every single time the wings go on the road, half the half the arena's red jerseys. Most iconic logo in sports. It's time that the Red Wings get tossed the bone by the league. The Blackhawks got theirs. Taze, Kane, Toronto with Matthews, Edmonton with McDavid, New York, Lafreniere. It's time the Red Wings get their bone. We've suffered through the rebuild. We've never moved up in a lottery. We've been bad the last six, seven years. We're right on the precipice of becoming good again. The core is there. The foundation is there. This team will be good with or without Shane Wright. You have the opportunity, Gary Bettman, to bring every single eyeball back to the Detroit Red Wings. Hockey's better when the Red Wings are at the top. Hockey's better when the Red Wings are in the conversation and the Red Wings are elite and the Red Wings are headlining SportsCenter. You give Shane Wright to the Red Wings, you guarantee for the next 10, 15, 20 years, the Red Wings are, bing, top of the league, fighting for cups, in the playoffs, hockey night in Canada, entertaining, selling tickets, selling jerseys every single year for the next 15, 20. And then you mix in Larkin, Cider, Raymond, it lights out. It's time the league throws the Detroit Red Wings a bone, and this is why. This is the reprieve. This is the silver lining to the last two weeks of shite hockey. Gary Bettman went to Steve and said, Hey, get, uh, Steve, can't throw you a bone. If your team's winning, you're still, you're supposed to be rebuilding still. These guys, Raymond Sider, they're rookies. You're not supposed to be so good this year. If we throw you a bone and we give you Shane right off this season, everyone's going to come complaining. It's rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. Look how good they were. They were pretty set. They were almost 500. They had Raymond. They had Sider. Larkin stepped up. You got to go a couple weeks here, maybe a month, give up a thousand goals a night, lay a bunch of turds, get dominated, get blown out, look like a joke of a hockey club, make Jeff Blasha look like the moron that he probably is. No offense, Jeff. Do what you got to do. Give us a reason to give you the first overall pick. And that's what Steve's doing. Steve happily obliges. Oh, okay. How about we give up 10 goals a game for the next eight? Fair enough. We were never going to make the playoffs. We got to embarrass ourselves for a couple weeks to get a generational talent to guarantee Stanley Cups come back to Detroit. Steve, I don't blame you, pal, and that's why we love you, Steve. But on a more serious note, please be less pathetic, Red Wings. I've had fun watching the guys this year, and now it's like I can't even look at the fucking box score on my phone. Please figure it out. All right, folks, that's all I got today. Appreciate everyone listening. Thank you. This is going to be on YouTube as well. The last couple Detroiters have been on YouTube. I'm going to start uploading them to YouTube as well as Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, Thank you for listening. Maybe we'll do an episode for Saturday after the first round of games for U of M MSU. I don't know yet. The second string pod tomorrow. And then if not, we'll be back here next week. Have a phenomenal weekend. Go green. We'll see you guys then.